You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you get your podcasts. And I'm Thomas Carinante. We're bringing you the most complete and hilarious Yanks chat you'll find anywhere. This is the Yanks Go Yard podcast, courtesy of Fansack. Welcome to the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. And Thomas, we are using our Yankees off day productively. It's time for a little Yanks debate. Friday debate, baby. Uh, I hope the folks are ready for it. It's going to be a good time. But before we start throwing the punches, I uh, want to just ask you guys to head over to Apple Podcasts, head over to iTunes, Spotify, uh, throw us the review, five stars on Apple Podcasts, give us listens on iTunes and Spotify, uh, leave us some comments in there, some mailbag questions, uh, call us out on Twitter as we've been asking you for the past few episodes, want to get the discourse going, want to add some more elements to the pod with fan interaction. I think it's all, all in good, healthy fun. What do you think? I actually also do think it's in good, healthy fun. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we'd love to see you on, on Apple Podcasts. Drop us those reviews. Uh, this is for the fans. This is not for us. Uh, all right, well, it's time to get into the ring on these debate topics. We've got Yankees debate topics lined up uh, about the current Yanks, about the recent history of the team. Uh, And this isn't going to be one of those BS debate shows where we end up agreeing on everything and we're just going back and forth and ultimately we shake hands at the end. Uh, These are topics that we have uh, completely different opinions on. We're on different sides of the fence. So fans, you are going to have the opportunity to choose sides on this one, whether you agree with me, I'm at Adam Weinrib on Twitter, or you agree with Thomas. Thomas, what's your handle? At Tommy's underscore takes. I'm there for all you to hit up. Yeah, so find us both and pick a side because whether you agree with us on every topic or just a couple, uh, you're going to need to pick your person. So let's start off with a hot button topic in Yankee land. Uh, The Yankees promoted Clint Frazier this week after Giancarlo Stanton hit the IL and immediately Frazier uh, was a triple short of the cycle in his first start. He he started in right field for a hobbled Aaron Judge, didn't play DH. But that begs the question, for the rest of the season – Thomas, who are you starting at DH, Mike Ford or Clint Frazier? I'm going with Clint, and I love Mike Ford, but I think this is the obvious choice. You got a guy with lightning bat speed. I know we keep hearing that term over and over again, but it's simply true. We saw it first at bat of the 2020 season, first at bat after getting disrespected and being sent down to the alternate site. Comes up, absolute piss missile into the bullpen uh, for for his first hit of the season. Um, two more hits after that. Uh, but I think more importantly, we go back to last year in fragmented time. 
uh, he, he had a very good year, especially when we're looking from a production standpoint. That at 362 with a 1.198 OPS with runners in scoring position. That's the kind of production you need from the DH spot, especially if you don't trust this guy in the field, which has been a lot of the knock against him. His defense is pretty unreliable. He's made some pretty egregious errors. We're hoping that improves. But as for the DH slot, I think this is your guy. He's got the chip on his shoulder. They have him under club control for quite a while. Keep grooming him. Keep this bat going because this is the energy that the Yankees lineup is going to need, especially if they keep dealing with injuries. And we know the injuries aren't going away because we're already running into this shit early on in the year. Stanton's already out. Judge, we don't know what the situation is going to be, especially after yesterday when Boone said he doesn't know if he's going to be ready for the Red Sox series, which would mean he would, he'd be on three days rest by then. Uh, but also just another layer to all this, Clint, you saw the guy talk to the media yesterday completely level-headed response. He's answering tough questions about, you know, his role with the Yankees and, and what's going on. He's 25 years old. He's clearly MLB ready. He's getting sent down. He's hanging out at the alternate site. It's not where he belongs. He's clearly a major leaguer. And the fact that he was able to answer those questions with a, with a cool head and, and, and so eloquently, I think this is a New York guy. I think you keep, you keep putting him in that DH spot and let him just tear the cover off the ball. Well, Judge is obviously hurt, so maybe this debate doesn't hold water because maybe Judge needs to miss a significant amount of time. Uh, nobody just has a stiff lower half. Uh, that's not a thing people have. And also, you know, Judge playing four games, including two seven-inning games, in three days in Tampa on the weird turf. Uh, I mean, I hate to break it to Aaron Boone and the people using that as, as sort of an excuse for the stiffness. Uh, all of the Rays also played that many games uh, on the turf, and the Rays actually play – 81 games there a year. Uh, so if none of the Rays are coming down with mysterious stiffness, I, I do think that maybe is an Aaron Judge specific. It's sad. Uh, I just don't think we can downplay it as just your normal wear and tear that you experience after. Listen up, Ohio, because this is a test from Pepsi. If you call C-Bus C-Town, you're not from Ohio. If you don't know the Blue Jackets actually have a fifth line, you're not from Ohio. And if you don't know what to say when someone yells OH, you're not from Ohio. We know this because at Pepsi, we are from Ohio. In fact, we bottle ice-cold Pepsi right here in C-Bus. So when you're thirsty for something that says you're from here and proud of it, grab a Pepsi. And say here's to OHIO, where Pepsi and life are oh so refreshing. Playing at Tropicana Field, it, it's clear it's a little more than that, no matter what Boone wants to tell us. Once again, that's, that's fine. I, I, you know, I feel horrible. I'm not blaming Aaron Judge. I'm just saying that you know, there's a, if it's normal wear and tear, then every Rays player has it too, and so do the rest of the Yankees, and, and maybe we don't need to prioritize anybody. There's clearly something going on here. So it's possible that both Ford and Frazier – have a significant number of at-bats in their not-so-distant future. That being said, if I have to pick between the two for consistent DH at-bats, I am going with Mike Ford. Um, it's just a completely different look for a Yankees lineup that usually is so reliant on lefty pop and currently has just about none of it except for Ford. With Frazier, you are getting a quintessential DH, right? You are getting a guy who overperformed with runners in scoring position last year I think we have to stop using that stat to define how good a hitter he is uh, during the long term. We know how lucky and variant runners in scoring position batting averages. He hit 362 last year with runners in scoring position. But how often does a team go from first in risk to 23rd in risk the next year? And there's no change to the personnel. And it's just sort of a, well, the hits were falling one year and they weren't the next year type of thing. So Frazier was really calm and collected in that scenario last year. That's great. 
but there's no reason for me to believe that's going to be a consistent with him moving forward. I hope it is, but I've just got nothing there. And as of now, Frazier has been by and large a guy who has a sense of the moment, but not a sense of consistency. Uh, his overall numbers last year and the year prior were a step back from the way we view him as a prospect. I am thrilled that he had a three hit and a home run debut this year, but I'm not sure what to believe moving forward. Now Ford is a trademark of previous Yankee teams. You want to talk about a New York guy. Frazier's a New York guy in terms of, you know, he has the media under his thumb and he's got command of the audience and he's got a large personality. But to me, a New York guy is still a road grader. It's still a powerful, quiet persona like Mike Ford who hits line drives to the same speed exit velocity wise as judge and Stanton so far this year, he's got one of the hottest bats in baseball and he destroys right-handed pitching. Not only is he a lefty, you know, in practice, he's not a lefty in name only. He's a lefty bat in practice. He's hitting over 380 against right-handed pitching since last August. That is a significant chunk. And he wasn't a full-time starter for any of that period. This is the first time he's going to have a chance to get unadulterated at bats without interruption um, and, and I have a hard time kicking him out of the lineup for Voight on a daily basis. Even Voight versus Ford is a debate. So if that's the case, I kind of feel like I want to give Ford five of the seven starts a week. If he starts to slump, Frazier's there. That's great. But for now, I want to see Ford produce on a consistent basis as a lefty before I take him out of the lineup. Fair enough. I mean, uh, I think you're wrong, but that's fine. That's why this is all in good fun. It's fair um, if I'm wrong. And you know what? If Frazier's going to hit 400, I hope I'm wrong. I hope whoever has the best season is playing more consistently for the Yankees. Yeah, me too. Um, so I think we both uh, said what we needed to say there. Uh, next, next topic here. Uh, this is, this is very, this is going to, this is going to hit home for some people, um, especially what I'm about to say, but do you think the New York Yankees re-sign Masahiro Tanaka this off season? I do think the Yankees re-signed Masahiro Tanaka this offseason, and I think that because of, in part, what has happened to James Paxton and Jay Happ this year. Um, You can say what you want about Tanaka and regular season Tanaka and the way you don't entirely know what you're going to get out of his bag of tricks on a day-to-day basis, but the fact remains, James Paxton has been borderline unplayable this year in two of his three starts. Uh, His third start unraveled really quickly at the end of the sixth inning, and while he was masterful, uh, during that time against the Rays, the fastball still wasn't, you know, surpassing 94 miles an hour, sitting in 91, 92, 93. That's not the James Paxton you want to extend. So that sort of takes a guy off my wish list for the end of this season. Uh, you're certainly not going to get Hap back after what we've seen from Hap. Uh, he's got a vesting option that got adjusted based on the new you know, 2020 baseball parameters. But the Yankees already skipped him this week. It, two starts appears to be enough. Uh, of Jay Happ for the Yankees. So that leaves next year's guaranteed members of the rotation pending injury uh, as Garrett Cole in the one spot. Uh, and question mark, question mark, question mark, all the way down. Jordan Montgomery's probably proven enough to get a spot. Uh, Domingo Herman, who we'll touch on later, is theoretically eligible to come back, but I'm not sure who wants to see him. And Luis Severino won't be eligible to come back until he's fully rehabbed. And we've seen him rehabilitate slowly before. So I don't know if you can expect him back before the all-star break or a little bit later, depending on how, you know, it took him a long time to get that surgery this spring. He didn't get it when he first reported pain that throws off the rest of the timeline. So I'm going to kind of bite the bullet here. 
Tanaka's a Yankee. He's a guy who wants to stay a Yankee. Uh, he's played out all seven years of his initial seven-year contract, even after he sort of entertained that opt-out at the end of 2017. Most people assumed he'd leave. He decided he'd rather stay. Um, it's stability for him. I can see him coming back on a four-year deal. And it, when you sign Masahiro Tanaka, even from the ages of 32 to 35, you're getting not only an exemplary postseason performer, you're getting arguably the best postseason performer of this generation outside of like a Justin Verlander. He's probably the most unheralded postseason pitcher that we currently have. He's right up there with Verlander and Lester. I mean, 25 hits in 46 innings pitch is nothing to sneeze at against the very best competition in baseball. That's against the Red Sox at Fenway Park in 2018 when they were stealing signs. That's against the Astros in Houston in 2017 and 2019 when they were absolutely stealing signs in the first instance. Last year, start six one-hit innings with four strikeouts against a lineup that came into that series red hot. That was a game one against Zach Cranky. There's no one more trustworthy than Tanaka. He's only allowed more than two earned runs in a playoff start once, and that was his most recent short rest start against Houston uh, in game four at home at Yankee Stadium, and that just came on a few long balls to George Springer homer. Uh, I'm paying for October Tanaka and I'm paying for regular season stability and I'm more than fine with that. Uh, there are plenty of spots for the kids like Clark Schmidt to take rotation slots right now. I need someone I can count on. And that man is Masahiro Tanaka. All good points. Uh, I don't necessarily disagree with many of them. I would pay for postseason pitching too. That's what, that's what the premium is. However, I think there are a lot of layers to this and I don't think the Yankees resign him. Here's why. First of all, this is not the James Paxson that we're accustomed to. James Paxson underwent off-season back surgery. He's lost velocity on his fastball. That's not going to last forever. He's still kind of in the rehabilitation phase in terms of getting back to normal speed, getting his mechanics back in order, getting used to facing live hitters, all that type of stuff. So I think the theory here is that Wilt, if Tanaka keeps performing well, uh, he, he's looked pretty good in his first three starts, uh, even though – uh, they haven't been entirely long because of the head injury. If he keeps performing well, he's going to cost more. I think if Paxson continues on whatever trajectory he's on, I know he had a solid outing against the Rays, but the wheels eventually came off. I think the Yankees are going to be able to justify maybe getting more of a bargain deal on Paxson too, because he's a lefty. Remember, we're going to need lefties in this rotation and J.A. Happ, see ya. He's not coming back. So, it's going to come down to paying one of these two guys. Um, I think they might lean Paxson if the situation plays itself out like that. And also you have to consider, I love Tanaka. I'm a huge Tanaka guy, but is this version of the front office who's very money conscious going to want to pay money for big money? I guess if he's, you know, if it's a four year deal, it's probably going to be, you know, in the 15 to 20 million range. 4.45 ERA last year, 4.47 ERA in 2017, not exactly consistent. Uh, he had a 3.75 ERA in 2018, not bad, but, you know, not someone you want to drop a whole ton of money on. I know Paxson has his concerns in terms of longevity and, and injuries and whatnot, but I think the value of him being a lefty and having that he, he strikes out a ton of batters, which is also uh, very important for what we need in the starting rotation. Um, and also when you factor in, they have to choose between one of these guys. And if Paxton is the cheaper option, you have to remember that they're going to make sure that they're saving enough money because Judge and LeMay, you need extensions and Glaber's going to need one down the road. 
And none of those guys are going to come cheap unless obviously judge keeps dealing with injury issues and his price tag drops a little bit. But if we're looking at a LeMahieu extension, it's going to be big. He's going to be, especially if he's going to be batting over 400 this year. And then you have Glaber who, you know, that speaks for itself. I know he's having a hard time right now, but that's not going to take away from the money that he's, he's going to make. Um, so I think that pretty much all weighs in for the case against Masahiro Tanaka. And I, I think that if the cards fall in the way that the Yankees want them to, it, they're going to choose Paxton over him. And then they're going to probably use all these other assets they have to trade for a young controllable arm. Um, Listen up, Ohio, because this is a test from Pepsi. If you call Seabus Seatown, you're not from Ohio. If you don't know the Blue Jackets actually have a fifth line, you're not from Ohio. And if you don't know what to say when someone yells OH, you're not from Ohio. We know this because at Pepsi, we are from Ohio. In fact, we bottle ice cold Pepsi right here in Seabus. So when you're thirsty for something that says you're from here and proud of it, grab a Pepsi and say here's to OHIO where Pepsi and life are oh so refreshing. I don't know who it is, but I think that's going to happen. Well, that's a fair point, and that does lead me to our next topic. There are going to be rotation slots available, uh, and the Yankees have shown time and again that they are more than willing to surrender assets who they deem expendable uh, in order to get controllable arms. So I ask uh, whether this is through free agency or trade, what starter – who is not currently in the Yankees system in any capacity will join the rotation in 2021. I'm not going to go down the trade route because Cashman is a psycho on the trade market and he pulls stuff out of his ass. We've never seen before. So I'm going to leave that to him. I'm going to go free agent route. I'm going to say Marcus Stroman uh, for a number of reasons. One, I don't think he's going to be super, super expensive. I think he's going to be, he's going to, he's going to be up there, but he's not going to break the bank. You know, he, He's going to miss all of this year. Um, he made the transition from the AL to the NL last year. He, he's kind of been a little bit inconsistent. He had that ACL tear, I know. Um, but I think it's going to be him. It's going to be a huge FU to the Mets just because there's all this BS about how they don't want to make deals with the Yankees. And now they're going to watch this guy who they traded prospects for start for them, what, 11 times and then head over, head over cross town to the Yankees for the team that actually wins and, Stroman, Stroman's a guy with a winning mentality. He wants to win World Series, um, and this is the kind of energy he wants. Wants to play under the bright lights. He want he probably wants to be you know a, a leader in pinstripes. Uh, and behind Garrett Cole, I think this kind of parlays into my last argument. If we keep Paxton, then this is our other right hander we're getting. Um, especially if it's not costing them a whole lot. He's younger than Tanaka, so it gives them more of a, a justification to give him this money. Um, and two, the guys pitched in the AL East for quite a while. So that's certainly valuable, uh, obviously, with his years, years with the Blue Jays. Um, I think it's another smart, potentially smart move for the Yanks. They'll have a, a big mouth starting pitcher. Stroman loves to talk trash, just like our boy CeCe. But we don't have that. We don't have that energy in the rotation anymore. I know Cole's energy speaks for itself. He's on there. He's just throwing fastballs. He's telling you to go F yourself every at bat. Uh, through his play, but we need a guy who's going to jaw. We need a guy who's going to, you know, bring that, bring that untouchable energy to the mound. And, and I think it's going to be Marcus Stroman. Stroman, I mean, he's a diminutive righty, uh, you know, a lot of energy, a lot of screaming on the mound, not a lot of playoff success. He, he's basically Luis Severino, but without the strikeouts, right? He gets ground balls instead of Ks. Uh, those numbers are concerning. He doesn't miss enough bats for me, although I, I sort of feel like it might be inevitable that he does become a Yankee. I will go in another direction and say that Cashman 
is poised to steal Matthew Boyd this year, which he could not do last year. And my main justification for this is that the Tigers' front office is very, very stupid. Uh, so if you remember, <laughs> they tried to maximize Boyd's value summer 2019 when he was an all-star. He was really at his peak. And they had the Yankees connected to them in trade rumors, and they had the Astros connected to them in trade rumors. Now, when the Astros are connected to you in trade rumors, that's something that the rest of the league should be scared of. Because if the Astros are looking at a pitcher, odds are that means there is another level that he can reach. And the Astros have pinpointed it, and they know something you don't know, and they're going to try to exploit it. So if you see the Astros barking up someone's tree, it's usually a good signal to get involved in the trade proceedings yourself and try to, you know, wedge them out of the way. The Yankees have never been able to get the Astros out of their way. I mean, they couldn't beat them in the cold chase. They got outbid for Zach Greinke last year. And then, of course, the Verlander trade that swung the 2017 season. It seems like the Astros always come out on top and offer a better package. That's why it was so ridiculous when Boyd was connected to the Yanks and Astros last year, and the Tigers asked for Glaber Torres in exchange. Now, that was never going to happen. That's insane. Uh, I am not advocating that the Yankees trade Glaber Torres for Matthew Boyd. Uh, but I am saying that it proves my point that the Tigers are deranged. They thought that was a valid offer, and they also thought that they had Boyd at such a high peak and a demand peak that they were going to be able to get something like a Glaber Torres for him. Instead, they got nothing. Boyd is still on the Tigers. Uh, I don't think the Tigers are getting fooled by their current run to the top of the AL Central uh, in this 60-game pandemic season. I think they still know that they're going to need to make some serious maneuvers to be contenders beyond this year. Boyd's role is not solidified. They've got plenty of pitchers in the pipeline. Casey Mize, the number one overall pick from a few years ago. Uh, Tarek Skubal is a top 100 prospect who looks like he can fit in right away. Matt Manning, Alex Faedo. There's a ton of arms to find room for. They've got Michael Fulmer coming back. Boyd is their number one trade ship, but he's lost a lot of the luster he had last year. I think Cashman waited this one out. I think Cashman is going to spring at the perfect time after the 2020 season and bring Matt Boyd into the fold. Yeah, it's certainly possible. We know how dumb Detroit is. And I mean, come on, the fact that they asked for Glaber Torres, Jesus Christ, uh, let's, let's move on. And then um, just stop the conversation there. They're like, we'll yeah, take Glaber Torres. Yeah, and and was like, actually, like, I'm going to keep my MVP candidate. And they were like, yeah. well, that, that's it. That was all we thought of. Yeah. Uh, that, it, unbelievable. It's and. and before we move on, just it's another instance of the Yankees being blackballed on the trade market in, in some respect, because it happened with the Garrett Cole deal, happened with this. It's un, unreasonable demands for players who are, you know, Cole, Cole, didn't have, Cole wasn't dominating everybody on the Pirates. Matthew Boyd was promising, sure, but, I mean, you're not giving up a generational talent in the middle infield. My God. Um, all right, next topic. This is a fun one. What free agents does George Steinbrenner sign over the last 10 years if he's still alive? This is a great question. I'm going to bend the rules just a little bit, uh, but barely. Um, so what, who does Steinbrenner sign, right? It's sort of guys tilting away from their prime, mostly. It's huge names, it's people he's watched compete on the biggest stage, and most importantly, it's guys who he has watched directly eat the Yankees' lunch for years. He loves to sign the Yankees' rivals. He loves to poach Wade Boggs. He got Clemens. He got, you know, David Cohn after he was a Blue Jays star in the early 90s winning World Series in Toronto. If, if you are an AL East competitor and you're defeating the Yankees head-to-head, 
uh, Steinbrenner's in on you. If you are the premier talent in a, in a certain offseason, he's going to try to get you under contract. So that is why I'm going to say that he identified the Yankees' need for pitching after the 2014 season. He watched sort of this floundering offense with Tanaka. Maybe he's got this UCL injury. There's no one really long-term interesting there. Uh, two of the best pitchers of that era hit the free agent market at the same time. John Lester, Red Sox ace, who's just been disrespected and sent to Oakland. And Max Scherzer uh, of the Tigers, who destroyed the Yankees in the postseason in both uh, 2011 and 2012. Right? The, you go into a Scherzer game and, and there's almost, the Yankees almost have no chance. They, they had more of a chance against Verlander back then. So I'm saying he's giving almost a blank check to Scherzer. Uh, and he's going to offer nearly the same deal to Lester with a slight downgrade uh, because he knows he's got a chip on Lester's shoulder. He, he's been exiled to the A's. He hates the Red Sox now. He wanted to retire there. Didn't get a chance to. I think he signed both of them. I don't see the point in signing one without the other. Um, although I, I think there's no way Steinbrenner leaves that offseason without one of them. But I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say he brings both into the fold. The 2015 Yankees are suddenly looking a lot better instead of this aging to share A-Rod core and they, they limp to the wildcard game and Dallas Keuchel owns them. I'm going to say Steinbrenner signs both of those aces. Uh, and then the other one I'm going to say is Steinbrenner pulls off the Verlander trade in 2017 because he is willing to eat more salary than the Houston Astros. Uh, his sons were not willing to eat the same amount of salary that the Yankees uh, soon to be top rivals were. And, and again, this is, you know, it's a hindsight 2020 move. At the time, the Astros were not the Yankees rival. No one knew they were going to meet each other in the ALCS, and no one knew Verlander was going to be back in their lives. The Astros were sort of this burgeoning contender. Nobody knew the technology they had uh, to steal the, the opponent's signs at that point. But I don't think he – if you hear another AL contender is trying to steal the best available pitcher, pretty sure the adult Steinbrenner ponies up the extra dollars to make that happen. Uh, honorable mention, I think he probably does follow my playbook and sign Dallas Keuchel too instead of letting him flounder around. Mm, yeah. Uh, and also to your point, on top of eating the salary, I think he says fuck it and just gives up another top prospect because we know he didn't really care about trading prospects whatsoever. Um, but good thing you touched on the pitchers because I got a, I got a few hitters in mind that are right up Steinbrenner's alley. Um, first one I think is pretty self-explanatory. He re-signs Robinson Cano uh, in 20, after the 2013 season. Uh, this the, the the team missed the playoffs that year. I don't think he's really going to settle for that. Uh, the team's starting second baseman the next year was Brian Roberts. There is no shot he's going to let that fly if he's if he's still alive. And Cano batted three fourteen with an eight ninety nine OPS, twenty seven bombs, one hundred and seven RBIs. I know, and this is also, I guess, in part a fuck you to the Red Sox because we know that the Red Sox signed Dustin Pedroia to that giant extension, so. He, that would in turn drive the price up on Robinson Cano and make the Yankees a little bit more hesitant to be like, Oh man, are we going to invest, you know, in 10, 12 year contract in a guy who's, you know, turning 31 next season. Um, I think it's, it, it would have been a pride thing at that point too. And plus, you know, the short porch was designed for Robinson Cano at that point when he was a Yankee, I don't think he lets him go. So that's number one for me. He also, another quick fact, finished uh, top five in the MVP voting that year as well. Uh, silver slugger award. So I don't think Steinbrenner's uh, letting that guy hit the open market uh, Two, another big F you to the Red Sox. He is signing Yon Moncada. Uh, we saw the, these negotiations go down years back. Um, apparently one of the Steinbrenner brothers hopped in here. The deal went by the wayside. 
Who knows what happened? But according to the reports at the time, the Yankees were willing to offer $25 million, which was the signing bonus. So I think it was you offer whatever you offer has to has to uh, you have to pay double that because it's the bonus and then the international fee or whatever it is. Correct me if I'm wrong. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? You're right on that. Yeah. So you mean to tell me that this is one of the best, this is the best international prospect at the time. And you're going to let the Red Sox outbid you by $5 million to get this dude. No way. This is not flying under George Steinbrenner. It's, it's not happening. Uh, Moncada goes to the Red Sox. They outbid the Yankees, which he would just wouldn't want to happen. Uh, Long story short, Moncada is in the Chris sale deal. Uh, Now he's on the white Sox, but I think that's something that, Steinbrenner just doesn't let happen. He's aggressive on the free agent market. Obviously uh, the international uh, free agent market is a little bit, Oh, I'm sorry. The Red Sox bonus was 31.5 million. So, eh, you know, I still don't think one and a half million makes a difference there for George. Um, He liked to throw money around. Uh, I don't think the international uh, market was, was his forte, but I think he makes a point because it's the Red Sox. um, And because this is a time in Yankees history where they just missed the playoffs in back-to-back seasons. 2015 was the year this went down. They lose, as you mentioned, to Keuchel in the playoffs, just get dominated at Yankee Stadium. He can't take much more embarrassment at this point. It was the first time they hadn't made the playoffs in back-to-back seasons since 93-94. I think this is a big statement for, uh, for the boss at the time. And lastly, everybody saw this coming. It's Bryce Harper. He signs Bryce Harper two years ago, and there's no – question about it he gives him a blank check it doesn't matter if Aaron Judge is in right field they'll move Bryce to left they'll put Bryce at first I don't even I don't even know what they do but they're gonna do it to make it work maybe Judge moves to first who the hell knows but Bryce quintessential seemingly at the time Yankees player Yankees fans were waiting on this from the day he got drafted when he went over number one overall to the Nationals Beautiful left-handed swing, design, literally designed for the short porch. You think Cano's was designed for the short porch. Harper would have been hitting balls onto the subway. Um, I, I, I don't I, – I, that's it. It's, it's simply Bryce Harper. This, we were all shocked even when this, this uh, version of the administration didn't do it. Um, it's a no-brainer, especially because how long he was left out there on the free agent market before the Phillies finally, finally uh, uh, put pen to paper with him. Um, this was he was he was a foregone conclusion in many Yankees fans' mind to be the next guy, uh, you know, slugging balls over the wall and pinstripes. Um, and I think that's his uh, that that's his number one signing if he's still alive right now. My jaw is kind of still on the floor, honestly, that we didn't do Harper, and, and maybe not that we didn't do Harper, but that the stars didn't align for us to do Harper. Like, yeah. like it didn't make a ton of sense to to make the deal at the time, even as you waited that offseason out. Yeah, well, I mean, just I, I can't imagine the universe like looked down at the Yankees and like Mickey Mantle didn't like poke a cloud and like <laughs> move something in a direction where Harper's a Yankee now. It, it, it would have made way too much sense for him to be patrolling right field. Uh, alas, that's not the case, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure Steinbrenner would have gotten it done. Um, let's do another quick one. Uh, okay, real quick, quick hitter. Uh, we'll wrap it up here. Uh, okay, first blush Does Domingo Herman ever pitch for the Yankees? Again, Thomas, what do you say? Absolutely not. Um, say what you want about last year from him. He had a good year. Yeah, he had 18 wins, 18 and four, but a not too great 4.03 ERA in 27 games. 24 of those were starts. Whip is not that great, 1.15. Uh, not a big strikeout pitcher, 153 strikeouts in 143 innings. 
Um, he had the situation where he suspended for the domestic violence incident. I don't think the Yankees can afford two of those after they, you know, managed to make the whole Aroldis Chapman thing go away. Um, and then the whole weird stuff on Instagram where he posts this weird picture of his brother who uh, we thought was... De- Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. Mingo Herman for a second, and we couldn't believe that that was the transformation he had undergone. Uh, still a weird thing to post without a clear caption. And then in the middle of the night just says, I'm stepping away from baseball absolutely no warning, no anything, no backstory, no details. Guy's playing games. I don't know what he's doing. I hope he's okay. You know, that was first and foremost what we talked about when this whole thing dropped because it was very bizarre. Hope he's doing all right, but I don't see the Yankees wasting their time on this guy anymore, especially because at this point he's not going to be available until the postseason. We have no idea what his stuff's going to be like. If he's thinking about stepping away from baseball right now, what the hell do you think his offseason programming, uh, you know, training has been or his program has been? It, it's probably been absolute dog shit. So I don't think the Yankees continue on this path. I think it's a PR disaster. Yankees don't seem to get themselves in that kind of mess. What do you think? I will say that there's no way, in my opinion, that he pitches for the 2020 Yankees. I don't think they're bringing him back to the playoffs. Like you said, there's no way his training regimen is up to snuff. There's no way it looks anything like what a major leaguer should. That being said, I'm going to take the unfortunate position that I do think they give him another chance in 2021. I don't want to see it. Uh, I don't think any stuff justifies the behavior that Domingo Herman displayed last year especially the rumors were swirling and they were brazen and they kind of said that he was doing this out in the open at CC Sabathia's gala. I don't know if that's true or false. I know that it's disgusting. You can't advocate for any of this. I, I think it's horrible optics if he comes back, but I think the Aroldis Chapman trade with the Reds was also horrible optics and the Yankees were allowed to complete that with much less scrutiny than they probably deserved. Uh, trading for a domestic violence suspended closer uh, with a suspension pending where his current team, where he's been sort of an icon in Cincinnati for a while, they're so desperate to get rid of him because of the, the suspension that's on the way that they trade him for this lower tier group of prospects and the Yankees profit wholeheartedly. They wait through the suspension. They eventually are able to trade him for Glaber Torres, sending him to the Cubs and they bring him right back as a free agent. I think once you get a guy like Chapman off your roster, haven't you done enough damage? You bring him back. I think he should very... Uh, very little compassion and a lot of calculation in the Chapman dealings. I'm not sure why they would act any differently if Herman had a chance to come back in 2021. If he doesn't have major league stuff, they will cut him. But unfortunately, they have shown that it's about, uh, it's about the performance more than it's about uh, the behavior. And they're going to have rotation spots available next year. If Domingo Herman gets a spot targeted for Clark Schmidt, I am going to be pretty upset about that. Well said. I mean, I, God, I hope that doesn't happen, but you know, if they're willing to take that risk on Chapman, Domingo Herman is a much smaller name. So maybe they say, maybe they say, screw it. We're, we're willing to deal with it, but that's it for Friday debate. Everybody. That's it for the content on the pod this week. This is about the seventh time I'm doing the outro. So I pray to God it's going to work. Um, 
We got a big weekend ahead of us. Be sure to give this a listen while you're eating your pizza. It's Pizza Friday, everyone. Go get yourself a slice or just say screw it, get a whole pie, pop open a bottle of wine, bust open a six-pack. We have a big weekend ahead of us. Four games set against the lifeless Red Sox. This team is garbage. They're last in the AL. They are an embarrassment to the sport of baseball, and we're going to really put them in their place even more so once uh, the four-game set is over. Uh, But even before that, please head over to Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star review. Write something in the comments. Submit some mailbag questions, and better yet, reach out to us on Twitter. I'm Thomas Carinante. You can find me at Tommy's underscore takes. And I'm Adam Weiner. You can find me at Adam Weiner on Twitter. That's it, everyone. We'll see you next week. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.